Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? If not, it'll be up on the screen. I think we got a couple out on the front desk there. That's our gift to you. Grab it on the way out. A um, couple things before we get into this. If you're a guest with us, uh, during the summer, obviously in Wisconsin, we like to go on vacation and go camping and go to Life Fest and all those things. And so what we do is we take topics during our summer series that we're aiming less at breadth and more at depth. And so we take some topics and we talk a little bit differently and a little bit more thoroughly about things. And this summer, we've chosen to do our summer series on the Holy Spirit. And so we're coming toward the end of that. And we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. But if you're a guest, um, thanks for being here. Uh, this is, uh, as I said, a little bit more of a detailed look than we would normally do. And if you'd like to get caught up on those, you can go to our website, DamascusRoadOnline.com, or to Facebook, and I think all of those are up. Other thing that you need to know, uh, we're going to end our series with a Q&A session. Uh, I know that, obviously, to try to address the totality of the Holy Spirit in what, eight weeks, uh, is, is at best naive and at worst sacrilegious. And so uh, I want you to have the space to be able to ask the questions that you may have that didn't get addressed or the questions that were kind of perked up in you as we were talking through those things. And so on the other side of that wall, there's three sheets at which you can put whatever question you want down. Here's the only caveat, all right, is you got to put your name on it. All right? Don't be giving me the anonymous question and quote thing, okay? If you have a question, you put your name on it, and we will do our best in two weeks to answer that. But uh, if you don't have a question, here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to make stuff up, all right? It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. So let's not do that. You ask questions, and we'll, uh, we'll get after it together, okay? Are you good today? Yeah. All right. At West, it was like 120 degrees in the room, so it's a little more chill in here, and I'm thankful for that. Stand with me. Let's read God's Word together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1, and then 4 through 7. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll get into it. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I did that at West, and literally no one knew what I was talking about. Everyone's like, why did he do that? Hulk Hogan, come on, man. All right. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's pray. God, we uh, pray today that you will deepen and mature our body by your grace and through your Holy Spirit. God, we believe that every single person in this room, you have thoughts and intents and plans and purposes for. That they're created after your image and that you want a relationship with them. And for those that you have saved, God, we believe that you've gifted them for the common good, for the good of your name, for the blessing of your body. And God, I pray that you will release anything that holds us back from the fullness that you have for us, from the blessing that you have for us, God. And at the same time, help us to know why we believe what we believe, not just what we believe. 
I pray, God, that you will uh, speak to us today, strengthen us today, establish us today, and we'll thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. So two weeks on this. This is obviously a big topic. So today we're going to kind of do our 10,000-foot view of the gifts of the Spirit, and then next week we'll get into some of the more particulars. Uh, One of my big kind of hopes for any kind of teaching that I do is less to tell you what you should think and more to give you the how around to think. Uh, I don't want you to have to come to me like uh, Tim Dunn, the answer guy, right? Because quite frankly, I don't have a lot of them, and so that's going to be awkward for both of us. Uh, But I think that the Bible gives us a really beautiful framework for spiritual gifts. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you that framework. I want to talk about who gives spiritual gifts, how we get them, and what they're for. But before I do that, I want to give you some perspectives on the diversity, the four main perspectives on spiritual gifts that are kind of within the evangelical church today. And I want to give you three things that I want you to stay away from when you're thinking about spiritual gifts as we move forward. And so the first thing that I want to do today is the, one of the main books that we see spiritual gifts being talked about is the book of 1 Corinthians and it's important for us, we just read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to identify the author's intent when he wrote the book. The author being the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church in a city that's known as Corinth. And he writes to them because they're, they're a young church, and he says, look, God saved you, I'm thankful for God's grace in your life. But he basically says to them, would you knock off the bickering? This is a church that's deeply divided, church that says, well, I, I go with Paul, and I go with Peter, and I go with Apollos, and I believe this about spiritual gifts, and you believe that, so we're not really on the same team. And the church is beginning to fracture and divide around things that Paul is writing to kind of encourage them to be stable in and to help them to be able to understand God's plan for them around this. And i got to be straight with you. This is a topic I said to the elders the, the, the topic of spiritual gifts is, a way, is not a way to numerically grow your church. Because people who come and hear about spiritual gifts, there's so much diversity around it. And if people don't like what you said, they leave. And so this is a way to deepen your church. But this is, this is a spot where we need to be clear with one another. That Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, do not be divisive around this. Do not divide around this but rather understand God's plans and intents and the work of the Holy Spirit in your midst and seek to encourage one another in it. And so I think this is a really timely word, not only for Corinth, but for us. So a couple things I want to give you on this, and I've said this before, but we try to evaluate these things in language of open-handed, closed-handed. Our open-handed issues are a small list of things like Jesus is God, the Trinity is real, the Bible is true, God wants to save us by His grace through our faith in Him. Close-handed. We're going to fight over these things. And we're willing to divide over these things. But that list is about as big as I can fit into my hand. And I close my hand around it, and those things define us. The open-handed are things that people who love the Bible and love God believe, and we differ on. And that's okay. Amen? And that's okay. I... I, I'm, I'm perplexed why it is that in the church, in order for somebody to attend here, we have to agree on everything. That's not biblical, and it's not commonsensical. Good luck getting married, if that's your perspective, all right? <laughs> and so 
I'm asking you to process these things that way. If you hold conviction, man, be bold in that. But be humble and be kind. And don't be willing to start fights where a fight isn't necessary, okay? So I want to give you four perspectives on spiritual gifts. And these are kind of, in my vernacular, the varsity teams, okay? Now, I don't give these to you so that you can say, yeah, I know about them. I give these to you to give you a grid work and to help you understand a little bit broadly what the different perspectives are, and there's really four, and so I'm going to work my way down through them. The first is a position that's known as cessationism. Cessationism. Turn to your neighbor and say, say what? <laughs> cessationism. A cessationist is somebody who holds the position that some of the gifts of the Spirit are no longer necessary and have ceased. Cessationism have ceased. Particularly, revelatory and word gifts. And here's the reason that they would give. They would say, we have the completed canon of Scripture. God has spoken. And so I don't need Chris coming along and saying, God says, because God already said. And so if I were going to get a t-shirt as a cessationist, and on the back would be done in my number, on the front would be, God has spoken. Okay? And because God has spoken, if we want to know what God thinks, we go back to God's Word and we say, what does God have to say about that? That's a cessationist. And it necessarily excludes certain revelatory gifts that would identify what God is speaking. The second is what's known as a continuationist. And if we were going to kind of put a parenthesis on that, it would be open but cautious. And so a continuationist is somebody who believes that all of the gifts continue. So they differ from a cessationist in that regard. But they believe that all of the gifts are under the authority of Scripture and should be tested by the teaching of Scripture. And so a cessationist says some gifts have ceased. They are no longer in play. A continuationist says gifts have not ceased, but they're under the authority of Scripture. And whenever somebody is using gifts, we call them to obey Scripture around it. And if they say God is saying something, we go to God's Word and see if God's Word agrees with what they said. And so... If a cessationist says, God has spoken, a continuationist says, God has speaking, God is speaking, but won't contradict himself. And so they're open to the gifts, but they're cautious, and they have a deep view of the authority of God's word, and they believe that gifts as found in God's word are how we should organize and function even today. The third is a group that's known as charismatics. And another way to understand charismatics, they're known as third wave, and it's kind of this evolution of Pentecostalism in the church today. If you run into churches like Calvary Chapel and the Vineyard, third wave charismatic churches. A charismatic holds the position that all gifts continue, and that the gifts are given to the body by God to continue to speak and lead it. Given to the body by God to continue to speak and lead it. So back to our t-shirts. God has spoken. God is speaking but won't contradict himself. Charismatics, God is speaking. See the difference? And so it's not that there's not a high view of Scripture. It's that functionally a charismatic will th say things like, look, I just want everything that God has for me. And so if Chris says, I've got a word from God, I give that some authority in my life and in my purview, and I function in the assumption that Chris, that rhymed, I'm a rapper, that in the assumption that Chris uh, is, is right and that God is speaking through him. 
Last is a Pentecostal position. Now, some of you, if you say, I'm a charismatic and I don't believe that, I'm just talking about classic charismatic and classic Pentecostal, okay? And I understand that there's some overlap here. But a Pentecostal, classically, is somebody hold the position, holds the position that all gifts continue and that they are given to the body by God to continue to speak to it and lead it and that, therefore, the gifts verify that somebody is truly a Christian. So a Pentecostal says, okay, if the gifts God uses them to speak to, then God wants to speak to everybody who's a Christian. Therefore, everybody who is a Christian will have the gifts by which God is able to speak. And that's why a Pentecostal will say, when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in what? In tongues. Yeah, you guys are awesome. And so you can see that there's some diversity here, mostly around the Word of God, the authority of God, the revelation of God's will and plan, and in God's Word, the place that there's a good amount of disagreement is the book of Acts. And because a Pentecostal will look at the book of Acts and say, these things should continue as we read them in the book of Acts, and, the, and a cessationist will look at the book of Acts and say, that was a one-time thing that happened back there, it's a historic descriptive, it doesn't happen anymore. Again, let me be abundantly clear. People on both sides love God, believe in Jesus, want to hear from God. There is no, oh, those silly or oh, those goofy. All right. There are godly people in all of these t-shirt wearing camps, but I want you to understand at least as simply as I can what the difference of those camps is. A couple things that I want us to avoid here. When we talk about spiritual gifts, what I find is that most people's position is not theological. When I say theological, I mean they don't necessarily know why they hold those positions. They couldn't go to the Bible and say, well, based on this verse and this chapter, I believe. Most of the time, people's positions are experiential. This happened to me. I heard this. I saw this. And so I think that there are a handful of rails that I want us to at least be thoughtful in identifying. And I'm going to give you some of my own experience. Now, when I'm saying these, I'm just describing them to you, okay? So I'm not placing judgment on them. I'm not saying this was right or this was wrong, but I'm just wanting to give you my own process around these. The first rail that I think we want to stay off is cynicism. Cynicism. Somebody who believes that when it comes to spiritual gift, there's so much silliness that goes on, I just don't have the time to mess with it. When I was in college, uh, one of my professors made, made us go to a lot of different denominations. He wanted us to get a broad perspective. And so we went to very conservative, you know, big Bible-carrying suit and tie, and we went to as wild as you could imagine, uh, Pentecostal. And when I went to the Pentecostal church, we, my buddy and I chose uh, the wildest church that we knew because we uh, had not come out of that perspective and so wanted to experience that. And so I opened the door to this auditorium and the place is absolutely packed, absolutely packed. And the music is thumping and it's good and people are into it. But you open the door and there was a little bit of sensory overload because there was people dancing, there was people jumping up and down, there was people doing, um, I don't know what to call it other than wind sprints, right? They just were running back and forth. There was people saying things that I didn't understand and people saying things that I did understand. And so my buddy and I, literally, there was like one seat in the auditorium that we could find, and it was from my spot, like right here in the very back corner. 
And the dude gets up and he's preaching after all of the worship. And when he's preaching, this lady in the front row, who was not young and not fit, okay, (laughs) she stands up and she starts running, just like this. Am I good? And she did it for like 30 minutes. And, uh, and so I, uh, I kind of get locked onto her, like, check this out, man. And uh, the back of the room was very close to the, to the back row. And so if, the, if I were sitting right here, the wall, instead of being there, was like right here, okay? So my lady is running, and I can see her starting to wear down, right? And so... I'm watching her, and she does one of these, and she tries to hit the corner, but because she's fatigued, she doesn't make it. Boom! Into the back wall, all right? And she falls down, and she lays there like, oh, and I'm, (laughs) where am I, and what is going on? And I promise you, as sure as, (laughs) as sure as I don't have hair on my head, she, like, Bruce Lee jumps up, and just goes right back to it. Okay? (laughs) I walked out of that room in the belief that if that's what Pentecostalism is, save it. Seriously. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I do believe that there are many, many, many things that happen in the name of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit's like, yo, don't put that on me. And so... I'm going to be straight with you. I have some cynicism around uh, how churches uh, manifest and understand and function in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and, and I hope that you're not offended by that, but I'm wanting to be straight with you that I'm saying I think that's a rail that we need to be careful to stay off. The second is the rail of emotionalism. And how that works is that uh, we run into people who have an experience or we have an experience And the emotion is this, I don't want to judge them or be judged, I just know what happened or what they said. And so there is this kind of vibe in our heart that is, I don't really know what to do with that, but it doesn't fit in where I, uh, what I've experienced or what I understand or what I believe. And so rather than saying it's not true, I'm just going to go with how I feel about it or how they feel about it. And we're just going to assume that they're right. And who am I to say otherwise? You've heard this, right? I had this experience two weeks after I ran into, or the lady ran into, right? I went to a big non-denominational evangelical church with kind of um, conservative roots. And there was a missionary who was speaking by the name of K.P. Yohanan. And K.P. is an Indian, and he was ministering in Southeast Asia for Gospel for Asia. He's a good man who loves Jesus. And he stood up and he told a story. Now remember, I'm two weeks away from banging into the back wall, okay? He stands up and he tells a story. He preaches a message out of God's Word. He exposits God's Word, does a beautiful job, gives testimony of people being saved by God. Everyone's clapping. It's awesome. And he says, let me tell you a story of the power of God. And if I could talk like an Indian, I would, but I'm afraid that I would be offensive, all right? He says, one day I, I go out 
I'm on my way to preach at a conference. I'm intending to preach of the magnificence, I remember, the magnificence of Jesus. And everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walk out and my car doesn't start. And so I do what any, this is what he says, Bible-believing Christian would do. I get out, I put my hands on the hood, and I begin to pray to the Holy Spirit that he will heal my car. Huh? Remember the cynical rail, right? Here we go. Next thing I know, he's going to be running laps. He says, I call my wife out and I pray, Holy Spirit, you know the work that you have called me to do. You know what I'm going to do. And I pray that you will. Now, because of who was saying it and because of the package in which it was said, I'm not going to stand up and go, yo, are you crazy? And I think that a lot of us have had that experience. Like, I don't know what to do with that, and, and I don't know what to think about that, so I'm just going to go with how I feel about it. The third rail that I want us to stay off is the cultural rail, and here's what I mean by that. I think that every place and every time has a general attitude and personality. And so I want you to think about Madison in 2014. And I want you to ask yourself, around emotionalism, judge not, be not judged, ju you know, all that kind of stuff, is that a value in Madison? Is cynicism a value in Madison? And here's what can happen. If we're not thoughtful, and if we're not people of the book, and if we're not in community, we can end up in position just because... Because Madisonians aren't judgmental, and so who am I to say? Even though God does say, right? Because Madisons are cynical, and so that must all be, even though God does still do. And so, the cultural, assumptive, presuppositional rail, stay off of it. We're people of the book. The cynical, the that could never be, stay off of it. God is bigger than our framework. And the emotional, I don't want to judge, I don't want to be judged, I just feel like stay off of it because we serve a God who speaks clearly. And we want to obey Him, and we want to, as we've said the whole time, know Him, worship Him, and enjoy Him for who He says that He is. If God had not introduced His Holy Spirit to us, then you would be left with, I just feel like, but He did. But He did. And so we want to stay off those rails and go toward this fourth way that I want to describe here moving forward. I want, to, I want us to look at, look at three things that I, I think are going to give us a good, biblical, healthy tone in which to continue to think, and then we'll get into that next week. So three questions that I want you to consider with me. One is who gives gifts, how do we get them, and what do we get them for? Okay? Who gives them, how do we get them? What do we get them for? The, the, the question of who gives them, we saw in our text that we read earlier, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, verses 4 through 7. We get them through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us these gifts. And there are three things that I want you to identify about that. He gives them by His grace. Notice that it isn't spiritual rewards, spiritual payment, spiritual paycheck. We're given spiritual gifts because the church needs them, not, not because you've earned them. And we're given them by God's grace. Listen, whatever gift you have, you have because God saw fit by His grace to give it to you. 
Not because you had done enough spiritual calisthenics. I don't know, he did 343 spiritual jumping jacks. Let's give him mercy. That's not how it works. God gives by his grace. God gives us these spiritual gifts by his grace. And because of that, we honor the gift giver, not the gift recipient. Last night, I, uh, every Saturday, I come after we put the kids to bed, and I study and I pray and I think and uh, try to get ready for today. And 99 out of 100 times, I'm completely alone. And so last night, I am kind of getting my head in the game, and I hear the bathroom light go on in the office. And sometimes the back room, I'm pretty sure it's demon-possessed, but um, just weird noises, right? That's why if you walk into my office, I have a fan in there, not because I'm like some white noise freak, but because all of the noises, I, the first week that I worked here, I answered the door 56 times to no one, right? And so I hear this, uh, this bathroom light come on, and I kind of stand up, and I peek my head out, and I turn, and Keith Gilmore is standing like three feet away. Holy crap, right? Thank God I didn't curse, because that would have been really bad, all right? So I say, Keith, man, what, what are you doing? Here's what he says to me. He says, well, our community group was on schedule to help get things cleaned up for the gathering, but I wasn't going to be able to come, so I decided to come in tonight and clean the bathroom and the office and that kind of deal so it, I could make sure that it got done. Let me tell you, I was, I was so encouraged by that and so honored and so humbled that this dude would take his Saturday night and come and clean the bathroom. Now, I did thank Keith, and I did Facebook something about Keith, and I did affirm Keith's character and decision and faithfulness. But the reason that I did is because I know that the gifts that Keith had that leave him to that kind of decision-making process were gifted to him. And when I affirm him, I'm affirming the gift giver. See, I think that Keith is awesome, but I think that Keith is awesome because somebody made him that way. And I, I want to, this is a side note, but I want to I become the kind of a church that we're deeply affirming of God's work in people. And that we verbalize that. Hey man, I want you to know that I see that you made that decision. And I want you to know that I appreciate that. We need to practice affirmation. Because in affirming... What God is doing, the miraculous work that God is doing, we're affirming the one who's actually doing the work. And so when it comes to spiritual gifts, somebody stands up and they preach a message and you say, holy cow, that was absolutely incredible. You can come up and you can say to them, thank you so much for that word, but there should be an awkward pause where they're like, thanks? But anything that was good that you got wasn't really me, it was given to you through me. So we want to make sure that when somebody does well in leading worship, somebody does well in teaching, someone does well in serving, someone does, does well in hospitality or mercy or leadership, yes, affirm them, but affirm them because of who did it for them and gave it to them, and that's the Holy Spirit. We also then know that the Holy Spirit gives by His grace, is to be honored as the giver, and to, gives us gifts, listen, for His purposes, not ours. In other words, they come with directions. Now, I know some of you guys are like, with what? With directions. You open up the box of your spiritual gift, and God in his word lets us know the reason that he gives it to us. And it's not whatever you think. 
That's how some of the stuff that breaks down in your house happens, by the way. All right? And it's how some of the stuff that breaks down in the church happens as well. We act as though the gifts that God gave us are for us, to us, by us, and it changes the dynamic of the intent of the gifts in a community. And so we have to start with who gives them. The Holy Spirit does. By His grace, we are to honor Him as the giver, and He does them according to His purposes and His plan, and it's our job to know what they are and submit ourselves to them. How then do we get them? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, throw that up there real quickly, how do we get them? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Go to verse 4 if you would, Paul. There are varieties of gifts, but the same... And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of, varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We get them as they're gifted to us. And when does that happen? The context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, has to do with God saving people and baptizing them into the same body. The time at which you get gifted is the time at which God saves you and makes you a member of a church. And that's an important thing for you to understand. That God puts you in the community that he intends you to use the gifts that he's given you. Does it at the same time. And so on October 18th, 1994, God saved me, he baptized me, and he gifted me simultaneously. And I came into the church pre-packaged for God's plans according to the gifts that he had given me so that I could be a blessing to it. And so did you. If you are in here today and God has saved you by his grace, he's given you at least one gift and he already gave it to you when he saved you. You come pre-packaged for the common good of the church. So the first way we get them is that we're given them. The second way is that you can ask for them. You can ask for them. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's say that God saves you, and he pre-packages you, as it were, with the gift of leadership. And let's say that you earnestly desire the gift of prophecy or teaching. Ask. Ask for it, but here's the caveat. Ask contentedly. In other words, God gives gifts according to His will and His purposes. And so if you say, God, I want the gift of teaching, it shouldn't be, I want the gift of teaching because the one you gave me is garbage. And that's how some of us come at this. I want the gift that puts me up there. And all I got is this crappy gift that makes me greet people when they walk in. Ask contentedly. Ask according to the grace of God. Ask with the knowledge that you have been gifted according to a God who's sovereign, who has plans and purposes, not just for you, but for the church, for the common good. So ask. Ask on top of what you've been given. Ask earnestly. Ask regularly. And if God, by His grace, sees fit to give you more, then be grateful for it. But if he doesn't, be grateful for the ones that you have. Be grateful for the ones that you have. So the Holy Spirit gives them. 
at our conversion, we can ask for more, and then what are they for? What are they for? If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. The Holy Spirit gives gifts of unequal value to members of equal value for the blessing of all. Gives gifts of unequal value to members of equal value for the blessing of all. God makes this very clear, and I want to be, be clear with you about this. There is nobody in this building who has ever come or will ever come who is of any less or more value than anyone else. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's why no matter who walks in the door, they come in as they are and they are valued as a child of God. No matter what. But there are some of you who have gifts that are more valuable by God's grace and sovereignty to the body of Christ. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Ask for the higher gifts. But God, so here's what God says. Chris and I are equal in value in the sight of God. Chris has values or uh, gifts, some of which are more valuable than mine. But God doesn't look at him and say, because of the gifts you have, you're more valuable than Tim. He says, the gifts I gave you, I gave you for the betterment of the body. And so we want to be clear with one another that for some of us, and this is going to be a hard pill for us to swallow because we're a part of the American dream that if I want it, I should get it, right? God sees fit in his sovereignty to give some of us, let's call them elbow gifts. Not as, not as necessarily valuable as a mouth or a nose or a heart unless it gets broken, by the way, okay? And so we want to identify who we are and we want to say, all gifts are necessary. All gifts are representative of equal membership in the body of Christ. But if you have certain gifts, be thankful for the ones that you have. But we're not saying that they're all equal. It would be unfair of me to say that they are. They're all necessary, but they're not all equal. And so God gives gifts of unequal value to members who are equal for the blessing of all. A couple verses that I want you to see on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. This is going to jump back and forth. To each is given the manifest of the Spirit for who? For the common good. For the common good. Look at verse 31. Verse 31. But earnestly desire, here's to the value piece, the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. 14 and verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their, not his or her, upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The gift is for the common good. Look at verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So it gives a valuing there. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. Why? So that the church may be built up. Look at verse 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. God gives unequal gifts to equal members for the good of all. For the good of all. That's what they're for. And I want to be, I want to be clear about this. The gifts that God gave you you might receive the benefit 
of having them, maybe, but they aren't for you. They aren't for you. They aren't for you. They're for us. They're for us. And that's why when God saves you, he puts you in an us and he gifts you for them. Not us, not me. And so what that does, it's, this is a beautiful thing, is it means that I can use my gift and not think I'm awesome. And that I can be centered on grace and generosity and you instead of me. And that's a wonderful, healthy, beautiful, gospel-centered thing. The point at which I start to think that my gifts are for me is the point at which we start to get toxic really quick. Really quick. This is the reason, guys, that we're gospel-centered, community-based. Because God saved you and made you a part of a covenant people and he gifted you to serve it. And there are aspects of your walk with God that are just you and him. But when God talks about a Christian, he talks about us, not you. I hope that you're tracking with that. Because if we're not tracking with that around spiritual gifts, guys, we are in a world of trouble. We are in a world of trouble, and it's exactly what was happening in Corinth that was creating problems. And that's why Paul writes to them and says, look, all y'all who think you're awesome, just like that, because he was from the Midwest, all y'all who think you're awesome because you got this gift need to check yourself and realize that gift isn't for you. It's given to you for the common good. It's given to you for the common good. And let me tell you why this is powerful. This is powerful because the church then is truly a community that seeks and honors unity in diversity. Now, I've heard this a lot. I've heard about this unity and diversity thing lots and lots of times. How many of you guys would say, I've repeatedly seen that go very well? Not me. Not me. And this is, this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to one body, one spirit, one vision with diversity of gifts. And here's what that means. That means that that there are some of you who are very different from me. And that I don't, I don't look at you and tolerate you. But that I look at you and I'm grateful for you. See, this is the other reason that it's so powerful. Because the church doesn't just look at diversity and they're not tolerant toward it. They embrace and are grateful of it. And I say this repeatedly because I think it's so important. Tolerance is the fourth cousin twice removed who's the creepy one that we don't want to invite of grace. We do not want to be a tolerant church. We want to be a grace church. And grace means that I can say, Chris, you and I are not the same, but I need you and he needs me. And because I know who I am in Christ, I'm not so arrogant as to think I don't need him. In fact, I'm acknowledging I desperately need him to the point that I pursue him and his gifts and make them a part of my life. That's what Paul tells us about gifts. What does he say? Is the mouth going to say to the ear, I don't have any need of you? Because if that's the case, then how are we going to hear? 
And there's all kinds of gifts and all kinds of perspectives and all kinds of personalities that, listen, not we put up with, we want, we desire, we pursue diversity. And that pursuit that's centered on the gospel creates a unity and a tone that's incredibly powerful. And let me be straight with you, can only happen in the church. And you say, wow, that's a big statement. The reason it can only happen in the church is because this goes back to that miraculous work that the Holy Spirit does. This can only be done by the Holy Spirit. Unity, not tolerance, but grace and diversity can only happen when God does a work in a place with people. Otherwise, we just end up with what we have in our culture, and that's bickering tolerance. It's bickering tolerance. And so in order for us to have this, this goes back to the thing that we say every single Sunday. We need gospel centrality. And let me tell you what I mean by that, and then we'll be done. Gospel centrality is this. It's to first acknowledge that I've received grace. To first acknowledge that I have received grace. That I'm a Christian by the grace of God, not the work of Tim. That's the gospel. And that I am able to rest in what I have received. Not that I have to work to maintain it or to get more of it. That's not the gospel. That's religion. The gospel is that God fully saves me, fully completes me, makes me a new creature in Christ right now. And a Christian is somebody who rests well in that. Then, when it comes to gifts, I acknowledge that I've received grace, acknowledge that I can rest in that, and I rest in what I have received. Not only in terms of grace, but in the gifts that I've been given. In other words, I'm not always striving for what I don't have. See how this goes back to the gospel when it comes to spiritual gifts? I'm grateful for what I have because I know I didn't earn what I have and because I trust who gave it to me. And so if God sees fit to give me the gift of service, yeah! If God sees fit to give me the gift of teaching, yeah! If God sees fit to give me leadership or mercy or administration, I rest in that, I receive that, gratefully, and I acknowledge that if I have the gift of administration and Chris has the gift of leadership, I need to get toward him so that we can both be healthier. And the church then, and let me be straight with you, especially a church our size, guys, and I'm going to give you a little pastoral nudge here, okay? Can I do that? Are you sure? All right. You ready? We shouldn't have as many needs as we do at Damascus Road. Because if we were really functioning in our spiritual gifts, the common good would be regularly met. And you see, whenever we have 80% of the work being done by 20% of the people, it's not just that we're busy, it's that we don't understand spiritual gifts. Amen? And so some of you... Listen, I love you, and I'm deeply, deeply grateful for you. But some of you, I need you to stop sitting in that seat, and I need you to get up and use your gift. Not so that I don't have to do it, but because I need, I need you to get up and use your gift. Because I don't have that gift. I do like one and a half things well, and the half is up for grabs. You do something well. And when you and I put our ones together, do you know what the math is? One plus one equals four. 
So if I take 250 people, all of whom are invested in the knowledge that God gifted them by His grace for the common good, and we all say, I'll take my one talent and I won't bury it in the ground, I'll invest it in the body, it's 250 to infinity. And then, miraculous things start to happen. And then, Madison starts to be blessed. And then, needs start to be met. And then, Jesus' name starts to be made much of. And then, we're a spirit-filled church. And so here's my request. A gospel-centered Christian is somebody who acknowledges what I have received, acknowledges the grace I've received, rests in what I've received, and gives because I've been given. I give because I've been given. And because God saved me by his grace and then prepackaged me for the blessing of the church. And so as generously as I was given, I want to give that thing away. This is why the, the parable of the talents is so important. Some of you, you got five gifts. Some of you got one. The dude who invests his five gifts, what happens? It grows. And the dude who has one gift, who buries it in the yard, what happens to it? He stands before the master and the master says, what were you thinking? Everybody in this room has at least one gift. Some of you have three, some of you have five, some of you have two. But all of them were gifted to you by the grace of God for the blessing of this church that you're a part of. And so with all love, I need you to stand up and get to it. Not for, not for me, but for the blessing of this body to make much of the name of Jesus, to bring glory to him and joy to us. We need you. And you need me, believe it or not. <laughs> Stand with me and let's pray. A couple ways that I'd like you to respond. We're going to have folks who are available to my left, your right, who would love to pray with you. If you have questions, if you want to talk to God about these things, we'd love to meet you in that. Every week we remind ourselves who uh, Jesus is. He's our Savior through his work on the cross. We do communion. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, we'd love for you to join us in that. And then we've got very gifted, willing leaders who serve us and uh, lead us in praise. And so I'll ask you to uh, sing with, and we'll trust that the Holy Spirit will inhabit that. Okay? All right. God, we love you today. And I thank you for the gifts that you've given this body. And Lord, I'm, I'm always just, I'm delighted when I run into people and I find out that they have gifts that I didn't know they had. And I'm delighted at your grace in making us such a gifted body got stamps of your goodness all over this room and all over this church and Lord I, I, I don't I don't give this nudge out of guilt we don't deal in that, it's not the gospel but I give it out of hope and out of expectancy and out of possibilities that God if we would invest the one, two or five gifts that you've given us I believe that you exponentially put those together and you begin to revive and do a miraculous work in a time and place with people who don't deserve it, but you're gracious and good. I want that. So God, help me to do what you've called me to do and rest in that. Help us to do what you've called us to do and rest in that and exponentially expand it for your glory and our joy. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.